Welcome to the prolific teaching ministry of Pastor Emmanuel Iren, lead pastor of Celebration Church International. It is his vision to partner with you for your progress and joy in the faith. Ready, set, grow. So, well, this afternoon we want to discuss something very important. Something I've titled, Why Am I Struggling? Why am I struggling? You see, many teachings in church are well-meaning, but tend to have unintentionally an unintended result. And this is what I mean. For instance, as we begin to emphasize what Christ has done in us, the work that he has perpetrated in us by his spirit, taking away the heart of stone and giving us a heart of flesh, therefore emphasizing the sanctification of the man who is in Christ and demanding accountability and a certain level of results from the believer, and rightly so. When we unintentionally give the impression that someone who is struggling may not even be saved at all or hasn't touched the type of depth that we have touched, that might have unintended results. And these are the unintended results. Number one, it's either people become pretentious and hypocritical. They put on their Sunday best. They will no longer tell you their struggles because they're afraid of being judged. And so they end up doing even worse. And also, we will find people in the world scared to be a part of us at all. You know, I've said it time and again, there are some people who will not embrace their ministerial assignment because of this level of scrutiny and what they may tag, the unforgivingness of the church. Because even when the church forgives, they don't forget. Yes or yes? yes. <laughs> so how do we strike the balance? Make no mistake. Every child of God must be held up to high standards because we know the efficacy of the work of Christ. So how do we put that paripasu in no condemnation model of ministry where people who are not looking to excuse their error, but are just looking for help, can be free enough to open up. That's very important. Because there are many people in church who are struggling. I have many things to say about that. I've said before that the strategy of the church 
There's a, there are a lot of things wrong with it. Fundamentally, we are right. Superficially, there's a lot we can do better. It's just like the example I gave in the morning. If someone can see... That, that simple video was very graphic to me as a pastor. <laughs> just imagine a pastor preaching in that service and seeing that happen at the back. Then you just turn and see a celebrity. Then you remove your hair tie. <laughs> you know? So it's now as if the secular influence is superimposing. Are you getting what I'm saying? And I don't even want to get into that anymore. My aim this afternoon is to help one or two or three or ten or hundred people here who truly love the Lord but are battling inconsistencies. You love the Lord enough to smash a button if there was such a button that can immediately end all these negative impulses and desires that you have, you will smash it beyond repair. You want the Lord and his word. The Lord and his word alone. But you just find this inconsistency. So how do you navigate we need to talk about that. And you know, a lot of people have tried to intervene and have come up with a lot of sensual strategies. Sensual strategies. Different, interesting sensual strategies. Scientific advice. And in and of themselves, they are not bad. But you see, there is a Bible way to approach sin. Amen, somebody. Amen. It's very important. And this is where we must begin. In all the epistles, virtually all, arguably all, there is one or two or five instructions about living out your righteous nature in Christ. There's one or two texts on consecration and sanctification. In, in, in the book of Ephesians, it says, Be ye imitators of God as dear children. Now, that's an instruction on sanctification. Or let me call it practical sanctification. In Colossians chapter 3, it says, if you then be reasoned with Christ from verse 1, seek those things which are above where Christ sits at the right hand of God. Set your affections on things above and not on things beneath. For you are dead and your life is hid in Christ in God. Now, powerful. But you will notice that Paul never addressed the subject of practical sanctification without first and foremost rebuttressing the doctrine of justification. This is the Bible approach. And we have the tendency to just want something practical. But th this is the Bible approach. You know, a famous man 
I was listening to years ago, talked about how someone came and said, oh, how can I learn from you? And he said, well, have you read my books? He said, I've read all of them. And he looked at the guy like, seriously, what, what, what are you trying to say? He said, well, you've read all my books. That's all I got. Because sometimes in the bid to look for the extra revelation that we think we need, we despise the information we already have. Jesus died for your sins. God believed that the death of Jesus will be powerful enough to eradicate sin forever. You are not wiser than God. So if you are struggling, there is something you don't know well enough. Go back, go back. Go. You say, I've heard, you know, yes, I'm his workmanship, recreated in Christ to do good works. For by grace are you saved through faith, that not of yourselves. I know, I'm still struggling. Go back, sir. Go back to it. Go back, ma. Go and contemplate again. Contemplate until a metamorphosis happens, until you are changed. From glory to glory as by the Spirit of God. Go back. Look at it again. Look at it again. Because what God has done, he's bragging about it. And his boast is not empty. Come on, are you with me? The cross really is that powerful. Look at Romans chapter 8. We'll read from verse 1 to 3 very quickly. Romans chapter 8 from verse 1. It says, there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk after the flesh, but according to the spirit. So first and foremost, the fact that he makes no differentiation between those who are in Christ Jesus and those who walk according to the spirit, that's noteworthy. So I'm in Christ and therefore I walk in the spirit. Come on, are you getting it? Because if you live by the Spirit, you should also walk by the Spirit. And he just lumps the two of them together because they are one. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. And then look at verse 2. Everybody read verse 2 together loud as you can, one, two, go. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. Listen. It doesn't matter the struggles that you are having. Can you resound this loud as you can with as much confidence and God's store that you can, you, you can, you can, you can, you can bring up. One, two, go. Say it again. Say, I'm free from the law of sin and death. Say it again. I'm free. From the principle of sin and death. Now, this is doing the word of God. Your experience will align. Hold on to the word first. For the law of the spirit of life. This is a war of laws. A war of principles. There is a greater principle in you by the Holy Ghost. And this is what he says in verse 3. For what the law could not do. You see, and oh my God, we really need to emphasize this because sometimes 
People feel what we need is stricter rules in the church, and many times they are not wrong. Respectfully, sometimes you see some people dress to church, and, and it's the audacity for me. You won't wear that to your office. So what revelation of grace makes you think this is okay? You just tie handkerchief here and start coming. <laughs> you, you know, or pocket square. You know pocket square? The one they put here. <laughs> and you can put rope. It's not okay, right? But sometimes we just want to relegate all teachings on consecration to stricter rules, more stringent rules. But at the end of the day, it's fundamentally a war of laws. It says, for the law of the spirit of life, there is a principle in you by the Holy Ghost that is greater, greater than rebellion. You are stronger. Sin is defeated. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free. So now I have to acknowledge such a principle. Is that working me? And the more I acknowledge it, the more I see its power. The more I see its influence. Say loud amen if you believe. Yeah. It says for what the law could not do. This is something more efficacious than rules, than do's and don'ts. There were do's and don'ts under the law. They couldn't do that. Under the law of Moses, do's and don'ts. And after that era was passed, he's speaking in retrospect. He said, see, what the law could not do, in that it was weak through the flesh, God did by sending his own son in likeness of sinful flesh, on account of sin, he condemned sin in the flesh. Everybody, Romans 8, 3, one together, read. So meaning when Jesus died, something powerful happened to you. And a new principle was birthed in you that is more powerful than any zeal a natural man can whimsically come up with to fight against the propensity to sin. Oh, say loud amen, come on. And so this is still our mentality. Look at Ephesians chapter 2 from verse 1. It says, And you hath he quickened, who were dead in trespasses and sins, wherein in time past you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now walks in children of disobedience. So what has God done about disobedience? He says, in time past, you walked according to the course of this world. According to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now walks in children of disobedience. Verse 3, it says, verse 3, among whom we also had our conversation in time past in the loss of the flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath. Verse 4, as loud as you can, read together one to go, but God. 
who is rich in mercy for his great love wherein he has uh-huh next verse want to go so what did God do about your disobedience it says but God who is rich in mercy When you were dead in sins, he quickened us together with Christ. By grace, you are saved. The resurrection of Jesus is God's biggest answer to the sin problem. All who believe that Jesus is raised from the dead will be raised from corruption, raised from this irresistible tendency to sin. God's answer is the cross. Come on, say loud amen. Amen. Listen, before he ever gives any instruction, like husbands love your wives and all those things, let it that stole still no more, he rebuttresses this. So before we begin to tell you what you must do in Christ, we must tell you who you are in Christ and tell you, even in the midst of contradiction, we still say, what? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost? That's that's the response. We put a mirror in front of you and say, this is who you are. Walk like it in case you've forgotten. This is the Bible strategy. Come on, amen, somebody. Say with me one more time. Say, but God, God. who is rich in mercy, mercy. for his great love where he loved us. When we were dead in trespasses and sins, has quickened us together with Christ. Say, by grace I am saved. Say it with conviction. Say, by grace I am saved. But you see, many times, people who have their reservations against the grace message see failure as confirming their position. And it's very hypocritical because there is no denomination that doesn't have people with struggles. We, we like to lie. We like to lie. And it's, it's just going to be petty. Sometimes I wish I can point and say, okay, this one, is he a grace preacher? What about this one? What about this one? God help us. Soteriology must still be correct. In spite of whatever your struggles may be. And many times, the reason why we have a wrong approach in trying to deal with inconsistency is because we had a wrong approach and viewpoint about salvation in the first instance. Come on, are you getting me? So when when it comes to soteriology, you know, the study of salvation, you hear people say, I have decided. And we're not talking in the context of ministry or consecration. We're talking about salvation. I have decided as if it is something within your power to do. 
I gave my life to Christ. Who is giving the life here? Did Christ die for you or you died for Christ? What's going on? Who is giving the life? Christ gave you his life. So you are the one receiving, not giving. It's popular, but it doesn't make it right. You hear many confessions at this, you know, at the altar call. I promise you, I won't do it again. I make a U-turn. That's not salvation. It might be driving instruction, but not salvation. It might be road signs, but not salvation. Do, do you understand what I'm saying? So when you believe that this salvation was initiated and executed by God and his Christ, then you will have enough humility to still trust him when you are struggling. And not saying, oh God, yeah, I've discovered some loopholes in your work. So I have some ideas. Do you understand what I'm saying? Everything we do must be in partnership or in submission, in fact, to the grace of God in Christ. And that remains the bedrock, no matter what. Amen, somebody. If you get it, say amen. amen. That being said, the same Bible <laughs> that says we are dead in Christ. You know, I think there's a text that is very interesting. You know, look at Colossians. Colossians chapter 3. I quoted, you know, from my heart earlier from verse 1. Since he then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ seated on the right hand of God. Set your affections on these above, not on things on the earth, for you are dead. Everybody read verse 3 together. One, two, go. I like to play with people. So read this to the person by your side. One, two, go. If the person did not complete it, he stopped that you are dead. <laughs> Be weary of that person. <laughs> say to someone else, say, for you are dead. To sin. Add to sin. And your life is hidden Christ in God. But you're dead though. To sin. But you're dead though. To sin. <laughs> Now, verse 3, literally, the text you just read said, for you are dead. Now, look at verse 5. It says, put to death, therefore. The word mortify means to kill. Put to, to death, therefore, your members which are on the earth. Put to death fornication and uncleanliness and passion, and evil desire, and covetousness. So, so now, sir, are we dead, or we should die? Are we dead, or we should put to death? And a layman might see this as contradictory, but it's not. It's complementary. 
So there is a legal side to salvation and there is a vital side to salvation. Listen, that's what he was describing in Colossians chapter 3, verse 1, from verse 1. It says, if ye then be reason with Christ, acts like it. That means the fact that you are reason doesn't make it automatic that you act like it until you become conscious that you are reason and begin, begin to act like it. Do, do you understand what I just said? If you then be reasoned with Christ, then seek those things. Listen, your position must influence your desires. Seek those things, which are above where Christ seated on the right hand of God. He says, set your affection. If he says set it, it means it's not automatic. Pastor, I don't know why I still like some things I'm not supposed to like. Set your affections. Regulate your desires. Regulate your appetite. You can by the spirits. That's what he's telling you. And a common illustration to explain, you know, the legal and the vital aspect of salvation is this. Someone has been on trial for a long time. In fact, he had been under detention, but going to court, you know, to respond to cases. And then the court declares him discharged and acquitted. Right at that moment, he's free. But in that instance, he might still even have shackles in his hand and fetters on his feet, but he's free. But now, what is legally true can become vitally true when in response to the judgment of the court, the police officer comes and loosens the shackles. Do, do you get what I'm saying? So, so that's it. Your spiritual reality must become a practical reality. And for that to happen, he tells you you have something to do. Set your affections. And it might look, oh my God. And let me tell you this. He told you to do it because it can be done. Do you believe that? Preach that to someone by your side. Say, he told you to do it because it can be done. Preach that to three people, one, two, go. You know when the Bible says, exercise yourself rather Unto godliness. First Timothy chapter 4, verse 8. I, I mean, I beg your pardon, verse 7. Maybe I shouldn't speed read that because this is important. First Timothy chapter 4, verse 7. So now, how do I make practical or vital what is legal? Because some of you, that's the frustration. I am tired of hearing I'm a new man in Christ. This heart of stone has been taken out of my flesh. You know, I still like some things I shouldn't like. What do I do? What I'm about to share with you is life-changing. Are you ready? Yeah. Now look at this. It said, reject profane and old wives' fables and exercise. Say exercise. Exercise. Oh, my God. 
There's a reason he used this word. Exercise yourself rather unto godliness. So meaning, I can get better at spiritual things. And even if, in a spiritual sense, I'm already perfected, in a practical sense, it may take time, and that's okay. Exercise yourself rather. And this is, this is the conundrum, and this is why many of you struggle. Like, Pastor, what do you mean? I don't really get what you're saying. Listen. I remember when I first started going to the gym. My first attempt at bench press. I don't know why some of you are laughing now. <laughs> and you know they go gym. Please. Don't judge me, but just hear me out. My first attempt at bench press was without plates. It was just the road. That's what I could carry. And God is my... Please, point the person that say, huh? I want to know. No, I just want, I'm just curious. Those of you are around, just point the person. I want to just know the person. At the back, eh? Okay, no problem. I knew it's someone I bench pressed more than. That's life. Right, just, so, just, just so we're clear, now I do 90 kg, so. Yeah. Light work, no be. Even though be fasting, I go, you know. Don't try me. Celebrate grace. (laughs) But listen, one day I went to old videos and I had a good laugh. Everything was hard. Listen, that rod, eh? it was as if I was carrying the whole world. I struggled to do 10 reps. You know, and it took a lot of focus to come to the gym, see what everybody is carrying. <laughs> and then in humility, you just go and carry your rod. <laughs> and I know go kill me. <laughs> you know, you see, that it's in the gym you will really know you have esteem. <laughs> Some of you know what I'm saying. There's one lady, Mrs. Jane. Hey. A lady. Uh-huh. You know, there are some people when they're, when they're walking out, you just go to another part of the gym <laughs> and face the, the workouts, you and your God and your body, the body that he gave you, the temple that he gave you. But with consistency, consistency. And listen, when the instructors will say, very soon you'll be able to carry this based on your body mass. You should be able to carry this. It seems like a sermon like this. When we tell you this is your capacity, it seems like, ah, (laughs) I can't do it. Will I ever be able to? And we're telling you it only takes exercise. And just the same way with consistency, you get to a point where you can carry things you never dreamt you'd be able to carry. The same way you can come to a point in your walk with God. You just remember, oh, I used to be a pathetic liar. That's gone. 
I used to be a player. That's gone. Some of you, with your eyes are the most sophisticated X-ray science has ever seen. It's like Photoshop. You look at someone, remove the jacket, remove, and then the Lord begins to walk on your mind. Hallelujah. And now, it's almost as if your innocence is back. I'm telling you, this, it is possible. And I've seen it many times. Exercise yourself. This is what we've been missing. This is what we've been missing. We want it to be automatic. It's not a magic wand. Do you know how long it took you to damage this mind of yours? It's going to take a while to clean up all the gutter things. You know, God is removing it. It's going to, some of you, it will take like three years. Three years of consistency every morning. I know who I am in Christ. I'm not like this anymore. You know, God has to, it took, listen, I'm going to prove it to you in the word of God. I'm telling you, this is one of the biggest secrets when it comes to this. Exercise. You're going to have to train for it. It's called renewing your mind. And it's a process. It's faster for some others. Look at Romans chapter 6. Romans chapter 6, verse 19. He said, I speak in human terms because of the weakness of your flesh. Now, I want to explain in a, in a simple way that, you can, you can, that, that, that can resonate with you. That's what he's saying. For just as you presented your members, slaves to uncleanliness, and of lawlessness, leading to more lawlessness. He's telling you, he's telling you, remember those days when you started doing bad things, you got better. That even in sin, there was a process. The first time you wanted to ask a girl out, you almost died, remember? <laughs> you were shaking like this. Then after a while, they started giving you nicknames, Nintendo. You became, you became very good. <laughs> Ronaldo, you know? You became very good. It took time to build the confidence. <laughs> but the first time. So now he says, the same way you presented your members as slaves to uncleanliness and of lawlessness, leading to what? He says, now present your members as slaves of righteousness for what? <laughs> Unto holiness. So now, that means there is a, there's a process in it also. It's going to take time. Those of you who had vices, did you just roll a blunt the first day and smoke 10? 
That's not how it works, is it? The first time, at least, I don't know if the way Nollywood portrays it is how it happened. The first puff, your eye almost, you know, came, you almost fell down. Those of you who are saying, yes, yes, you have to, that's, <laughs> don't worry, no condemnation. I, I know you know it's because of the movies, so that's okay. Uh, so. <laughs> but, but in the movies, when you puff like this, you cough, <laughs> you know? And then there's usually some guy in the movie who say, ah, guy, don't just time, don't worry. <laughs> Take again. Your eye go clear, you know? <laughs> and then as you kept going, going, you got better at it. Until they started calling you chimney. <laughs> <laughs> Give me another popular nickname. Exhaust. Exhaust. <laughs> they see your lips like this, black. And your skin is light, oh. Black lips. <laughs> what about drinking? What about drinking? You started with Bailey's. 0. 0.0000, you know. Then after a while, because your company didn't change, they started, they started teasing you that, ah, now children, they drink this one now. After a while, you started mixing. You became a scientist, science student. <laughs> the, the same you. The first time you drank one bottle, you were marching backwards, you know? They had to carry you. Now you drink seven, and you can still solve arithmetics. <laughs> you know? He said the same way, with the same intent. The way you practice, you, it took practice to become bad. It took practice. It took practice. It took practice. There are some things you can only wear outside with practice. You know it's true now. The first time you were very conscious. You're sitting. You're always doing like this. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> Like drag me, it's not the first time. <laughs> Hallelujah. But with, with practice, you became bolder. That's how it works. So now, why is it that you heard one sermon and then after three days, you are struggling and you say, I don't know. I don't know why, Pastor. I don't know. What do you, what do you, ah, ah. Do you know the, ex, the extent of diligence it took you to get to where you are? <laughs> Give the word of God time now. If not for the power of Jesus, some cases are beyond repair. 
So be patient. And give exercise yourself unto godliness with consistency. Exercise. And you know, um, so you start from dumbbells that are so light. You start from one kg. And then you move up. Two kg. Three kg. And then, have you also noticed that it will take a while before it begins to show on your body? It takes a while. Some of you, the same mistake you make in the gym is the same mistake you're making spiritually. You went three days, and now you're looking at the mirror. It's like this thing is not working. Huh? <laughs> you're doing, after three days, you're taking a selfie. What is, what is wrong with you? <laughs> it don't work that way. Exercise, 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 exercise. I saw a man at the gym one day. The man is 56. Ha! And you know, those people, they like to intimidate. The man wore singlets like this with the chest. Ha! So... Judging by his frame, I couldn't tell his age. But I looked, gray hair. <laughs> so one of his breaks in between sets, I said, sorry, sir. <laughs> How old are you? He said, 56. I said, I want to be like you when I grow up. <laughs> if you see what this man they carry. You know, and he was very expressive, shouting, Ha! Ha! Fear they grief me that easy, sir. <laughs> I will faint here. <laughs> he was, Ha! Ah! Ah! Hey, God! <laughs> what is going on? You know, <laughs> 56. <laughs> and he said, I've been doing this since I was 15. <laughs> 15. Then someone will do three days. You're looking at me like this. Be sucking your stomach. <laughs> That's not how it works. Please nudge the person by your side. Say exercise, exercise, exercise. <laughs> So, what's the best exercise strategy? I want to give you a few points, and then we go and prepare for the evening session. Number one, oh my God. Are you ready for this? Number one, keep feeding your spirit. Keep feeding your spirit. Keep feeding your spirit. Now, oh my God. So many secrets I want to share with you here. Now, here is a mistake many of you make. Look at Galatians chapter 5. Many of you are fighting the flesh, and you're wrong. You're not meant to fight the flesh. You can't fight the flesh. 
It simply isn't how it works. Are you in Galatians chapter 5? Look at verse 16. This I say then, walk in the spirit and you shall not what? So what should be my preoccupation? Defeating the flesh or building the spirit? That's your preoccupation. It is your spirit that will do the fighting. So now, I know you mean well with your determination to stop pornography. But the funny thing is, it might even be counterproductive. Because now you are more obsessed with it and you are defeated with the consciousness of this inadequacy that you have. But if you keep building your spirits, building your spirits, come on, are you with me? You know, so now he tells you in the next verse, for the flesh wars against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh so that you will not be able to do what you want to do. So if I want to produce results that are consistent with the beatings of the spirit, I have to feed the spirit so that the spirit can fight the flesh and therein lies my victory. Say loud, amen. Amen. So you start feeding your spirit. Feeding your spirit. You know what many of you do? When you make that error, you are so smitten by the guilt, you don't come to church again. And then the flesh gets stronger. I'm telling you, this is, this, is, this is best advice you can ever get. Understand that God is not the God of a second chance. If he's the God of the second chance, I will not be here. Hey, I, I, I'm, I'm sure I've exhausted more than two chances. I'm sure. <laughs> it's nice to sing in a song. You're the God of a second You get mine, though. You think you need just two chances. You, you, you. Every morning, Lord, I'm here again. Sin of commission, omission. And you are still singing God of a second chance. And you're not in trouble. What makes the story of the prodigal son so life-changing is this. You might not have noticed. It is one thing for a son to leave the house in rebellion and come back. It is another thing for him before he leaves to ask for his inheritance. The symbol of his sonship. Take it with him and squander it. So listen, in a material sense, he has nothing to return to. Do you understand what I'm saying? And Jesus is telling the story that the father still embraces him It means that even if by your estimation, everything that should qualify you from an intellectual standpoint as a son, you have have exceeded all the limits, God will still welcome you back. And listen, this is not to urge you into licentiousness, never. But you see, if the devil knows that no matter what he succeeds in making you do, you will still come back. It will frustrate him. It will frustrate him. He knows that if he can push you 
to a corner. Some of you will say, you know what? I'm tired of deceiving myself. You will give up. But when you finally realize the word of God says a righteous man will fall seven times and rise again. So listen, the fact that you make mistakes does not mean you're not righteous. A righteous man. Even a righteous man will fall seven times, but he will do what? Come on. This is the word of the Lord to you. Rise again. And to do that, you must keep feeding your spirits. Feeding your spirits. Now, what I'm about to tell you will sound very crazy. Your natural tendency, there is, there is a statement. Either sin will keep you from, how, how did they say that thing? How the, either sin will keep you from righteousness or righteousness will keep you from sinning. You know, something like that. In your natural tendency, when you do something wrong, in your guilt, you avoid God. Let me tell you something. It is inbuilt in man. When Adam ate the fruit, there was no book to read what to do when you sin. You know, it was instinctive. He went to hide. He went to hide. Something I wanted to say, but no, don't worry. There is something about sinning that comes with fear. Even if it is your father, if you catch him with a woman that is not his wife, you say, hey, hey, he will jump. <laughs> Sorry. <yo. laughs> it's instinctive. Oh my God. Don't worry. I'm, 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 trust me, I just have a dramatic mind, but, but you know it's true. So Adam went to hide. When you are exercising yourself unto godliness, you will make sure, listen, those of you who work out, you know that there are some days you feel tired. You must go to the gym nonetheless. The same thing must happen spiritually. Even when you are the lowest ebb, you feel like your back is against the wall. You feel, listen, I, I, I did it again. Go again. Go again. You know, there's a friend I have, and now <laughs> the interesting thing, I'm going to have a conversation with him. The interesting thing is he likes to throw jab at grace preachers, which is interesting because he knows I'm a grace preacher. But we've not had that conversation. But we will. And I hope you watch this sermon. <laughs> but this is the confusing part. Now, I, I, I understand where he's coming from because he came from a very, very dark path. And God changed his life. And so such a person will be irritated by people who just are looking for excuses to justify their indiscipline. Do you understand what I'm saying? But when I see the path that God brought him through. I'm like, you'll be a grace preacher, you're a disguise. You know, you see what he said. He said, he used to be a chain smoker before. When, when I say chain smoker, I don't want to go into the details, you know. And one day, he got born again, and he was trying to stop. 
He even joined the workforce. It was protocol. But one morning, the urge was so strong, he smoked. And his eyes were red, but he tried to disguise, you know, lick Tom Tom and everything, and just came to church. So he was, <laughs> as he was entering the church, the pastor saw him, looked at his eyes. He said, you have smoked. <laughs> he said, yes, sir. And she was expecting the pastor to say, go home. The pastor said, you are better than this. And the regenerated man in you will come alive. Go in and serve. So he went in. <laughs> the way he was. There is people, you know? <laughs> yeah. Seven the most high. I beg go, calm down. <laughs> you know what? You know what? Listen, listen. What that pastor did gave him a chance. So that wasn't licentiousness. Do you understand what I'm saying? The fact that we're saying even the most pure, regenerate being still needs time to renew the mind and gain mastery over the flesh. That's not... And then in, in that time, you are still a child of God. That's all we're saying. It's not an encouragement to go on in sin. That's all. Come on, amen, somebody. Amen. Keep feeding. So make up your mind. Because now we're all shouting together. Some of you, they struggle. You need this sermon. So as you are laughing, listen to me well. It will be very difficult. But whatever vice you are struggling with, when you're done, you go in and say, Lord, I know that I'm better than this. And this vice will not always bring me to my knees. I feel bad for what I've done, but I have, I, it's, there's something we call gutsy guilt. I feel guilty, but I still have guts. I have enough guts to believe that it is for something like this that Christ died. And so even this is covered in his redemptive plan. Therefore, I embrace who I am in Christ and I forge ahead in his righteousness in the name of Jesus. And as I pray right now, thank you because I confess that through your blood, I have forgiveness, the redemption from sin. I walk in a manner consistent with who I am. And as I speak in tongues now, I exercise my spirit to be able to cross this hurdle next time I encounter it in the name of Jesus. And you fire. Some of us are more particular about being sincere than being spiritual. You, you sit on the floor, you cry, I've done it again. You know, church brothers are calling you, you don't pick. Sisters are calling you, you don't pick. You don't want, you, you know, you remove yourself from WhatsApp group. You are noble. You don't want to be a hypocrite. But you will end up worse. You will end up worse. It's just like someone so sick, he no longer wants to go to the hospital. There's no point. It doesn't work that way. This is where you get your healing. Don't you understand? If you cannot fly, walk. If you cannot walk, crawl. That's how you do it. 
there is no man of God, for instance, who doesn't go through a season, no matter how brief, where they don't feel like praying. You know what I do? There must be, I'm going to release a book very soon. Don't pressure me. In fact, don't worry. <laughs> because some of you start sending me messages. Pastor, what about the book you say? You know, the work is much. Don't worry. The name of the book is Pray Book. All right? And the same way coaches have playbook, I, I want to curate a strategy for consistent devotion. It can be done. Listen, so when you don't feel like praying, has it ever happened to you that you were playing music and you thought you were not paying attention? But it got to a point, it just stared you, it ticked something in your spirit. Oh, some of you know what I'm saying. So now, there are strategies like that to make sure even if you feel your devotion is so weak, you can't bring yourself to just be, you know, scabashing. Do something on the background. Listen to a sermon. Even if you are just playing it and doing other things. Listen, this is what the Bible says. It says, this book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth, but you shall meditate day and night. Day and night, there must be something fanning the embers of your spirits. Keep feeding your spirit. Keep feeding your spirit. Listen, if you cannot pray alone, pray together with someone. Every, yeah, everyone should have personal devotion. If you're struggling, even if your strategy is midweek service, Sunday, you no know, matter the battles I fight during the week, I will miss those two. And if it's celebration church, ah, ah, don't worry now. <laughs> you just, see, let me tell you something. If you attend a good church, 50% of your journey is successful. We will take the rest. It's, it's part of our job to help you pray more. Just come. Do you get what I'm saying? You know the power of corporate prayer? Some of you have never prayed two hours on your own before. But here... You go there, like engine, four hours, you are still going. You know it's true now. So use it to your advantage. Own your hypocrisy with your chest. That even if I know this thing, I can't do it on my own. Yes, I know. So I will make it a strategy, corporate prayer. As I'm building the private prayer place, let me at least pray with people as long as I can. But keep fanning the spiritual embers. What did I call number one? Oh my God, this time. I will rush through the rest. Number two, keep starving the flesh. Keep starving the flesh. Let me say this. All things are lawful, but not all things are expedient, the Bible says. 1 Corinthians 6, 12. When you are training as an athlete, you can't eat everything that everybody eats. Just like with bodily exercise, when you have body goals, you must automatically also have food goals. What amount of calories must you take? Or must you avoid? Do you understand what I'm saying? Other people who don't have goals can eat it. You know, just be eating, you know. 
But you can't do that. So there are some things that some people ask you shouldn't be asking. So is it wrong? Is, we say don't watch this type of movie. They are kissing. It will trigger you. Is it wrong? Is it wrong? Okay, stay now. <laughs> Few minutes after now, you're saying, Lord, <sighs> it's me again. You see now? How many times will you deceive yourself that you can't handle it? Because the general movie censors board put 18. You know, you think you can handle it. No, some movies should be rated 90. You know what I'm saying. There are some movies you will never be old enough to watch. <laughs> Guard your heart with all diligence, the Bible says. The terminology means you should do the work of a customs officer. A customs officer stays at the border and controls what comes in. So you must vet. You are not a pit latrine. Don't allow the media to just dump anything into your head. Put some checks and balances. Are you getting what I'm saying? Me, even for children, I'm this close to giving up on cartoons. This close. You will read books. <laughs> ah, mark away. You will be, your head will open. Because I don't know what's happening again. As strict as I am, I just look away, you know? And then YouTube suggestions. I just went in, came out. I saw the little girl on the screen talking to a bean, saying, I pledge to you, angel of death. Ah, ah. What does this have to do with... Ah, I don't understand. There's an agenda. Wake up, oh. The, the, the devil is mentoring children. Wake up. You will see mermaids in cartoon. They're fine. Your children have them as role models. Now, how are you going to Persuade them that this is mommy water. This. <laughs> How are you going to persuade them that this? They just, this mommy water with makeup, with rebranding. You know, mommy water, they disguise you. Oh, please, watch it. When it comes to mind renewal, Food fasts in this generation may not be as powerful as media fasts. <laughs> there is a new fast that God has chosen. <laughs> hey. Hey, these eyes protect it at all costs. Because there is nothing sacred out there. Nothing sacred. So much to say, but I'll go on. Then number three, practice. You know, I already said that. I know it seems repetitive, but I just want to put that, you know. So practice. And it starts from the little things. If you are a pathological liar, 
And in your normal elements, subconsciously, you exaggerated over the phone. You can call the person back. You say, you know what? This shouldn't be a big deal, but I just wanted to clarify. That thing where I talk, now lie, you. <laughs> ah, let's see. This is how you practice. That was a bit of an exaggeration. You know, so this is what actually happened. Okay, now, safe. Bam. You see, because, let me tell you something. When you were learning, you know, in the kindergarten of the lying school, before, when you lie, your alarms will go off. But now, the alarms are damaged. I'm talking now. Uh, you know what I'm... So, you, are re- you have to reprogram your mind. It's not okay. It's not okay. I didn't have to say that. If you are proud, especially if you are moving with a company of proud people who move you to want to exaggerate, you know, your self-worth, show off things that you have, you have to train. Start training, you know, to treat so-called common people with respect. Be deliberate about things like that. It takes time. Some of you, you have to relearn saying no or afresh. You, you, don't, you have to relearn it. You practice. If you have to stand in front of a mirror, I don't care. If you can't say it, text it. You know what? Don't come. Don't come. If they call, you don't pick. Because I know what I'm saying. Because some of you, your will has been tampered with. You know, they can prevail on you. Text it. If you can't text it, ask someone. Call a friend. Wow, wow. You are tongue speaking, but you know there are some people that if they see from your past, you know those people, if they catch even during fast, you know that you have to run. We don't like to talk about things like this. You know, years ago, someone came to me, he said, the devil is wicked though. I said, what happened? He said, I'm trying to be a good boy. He said, winners fast, I joined 21 days. I was inside reading the Bible, fasting. He said, the last day I broke like this, I came out, I saw my ex. <laughs> ex that I've not seen in five years. <laughs> Sometimes you need help, you call a friend. You know? <laughs> Say, come and remove me from here. Come, come kidnap, anything. <laughs> Love, boy, hear what I'm saying. You know what I'm saying. It just text, say, I must come home now, 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 now. Because you must. That one will be lie. <laughs> come on, are you with me? You practice. You practice. You practice. You practice f- firm no. And, and it, takes, it, it takes a while. <laughs> you know? Something very interesting but encouraging happened. You know, when they were dragging me on Twitter days ago. <laughs> Wait now. Someone said, yes, drag him, he deserves it. Because he has, he has turned three of our bodies to church girls. <laughs> so that's his own bone of contention. I said, oh, thank you, Holy Ghost. <laughs> 
thank you, Holy Ghost. I like it. I said, I said if that's it, drag me. Drag me like Jen. Drag me. I don't mind. <laughs> Listen, I have no reputation. None to protect. Who am I? Why can't you drag me? They drag Jesus. <laughs> and as they were dragging, people were like, who is this man of God? What's his ad- address? What's the church address? Many people. Someone commented. He said it was the last time they were dragging him like this that I heard of him. I've listened to all his sermons. <laughs> As they were dragging me, my followers were increasing. By the time they were done, 100K, I said, ah, no, no, pro- no problem. <laughs> this is a new strategy for soul winning. Forward on me, oh, Twitter, drag me, drag me. <laughs> if it's for one soul, drag me, drag me by the air. <laughs> Hallelujah. So you must begin to practice. All things are lawful unto me, but not all things are expedient. All things are lawful unto me, but I'm not brought under the power of any. When I got born again newly, I said for two years, I'm not going to watch a single movie. I'm not telling you what to do. I'm telling you what I did. I needed it. You know, I've not recovered. My wife calls me spirit nerd. Because when I want to relax, I listen to Christian music or a sermon. That's how I relax. When my wife, who is a pastor, look at me and say, ah, you too like God. <laughs> you better be okay with this one. <laughs> is it not better? What would you rather I like? Hallelujah. The biggest thing the devil has done is to make you feel you must have a smartphone. He has made avenues for temptation so mainstream that it's now a struggle for you to do otherwise. Meanwhile, the Bible says, if your eye is causing you to sin, what does it say? Talk less of something you own, not a part of your body So there is that. But the final principle is, like I said earlier, always stand up again. Always. 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 Are you a doer of the word? Will you actually do what you've learned? Did you learn one or two things? All right, stand to your feet. Hallelujah. an old song. Let the words of my heart, mouth, and meditations of my heart 
be acceptable in your sight. Oh, Lord. I want to align with who I am in the spirit. Say, let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight. Let the words, let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in yours. When people are watching and when they aren't, let the words, the words of my Father, just pray in the spirit right now. Grace is released, and there is a new prophetic anchor in your spirit. Those of you who have been tired to even fight, so defeated by the habits, it already became a part of you. God is empowering you. To lay aside every weight and everything that easily besets you is empowering you to run. It's empowering you. It's empowering you. listening. We are sure that you have been blessed. For inquiries, reach us on our helpline 0809-996-7000. Blessings.